Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Muddy Knees Media. Season's greetings and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition, the final one of 2020. Coming up on this show, Manchester United wish it could be Christmas every day. They are the Christmas number one in the WSL after thrashing Bristol City. Arsenal step into Christmas in second with a 4-0 win over Everton. And Reading are driving home for Christmas with three points after winning away at Brighton. Jess Fishlock, Reading's little helper, will join us later in the show. I'm Lindsay Hooper. Welcome along to this last podcast before the winter break. But it wasn't the most wonderful time of the year for the teams that saw a combination of COVID and the weather take out three other fixtures this weekend. Kate's away this week, but I'm not lonely this Christmas. We'll keep this going all the way through because I'm joined by former Spurs and West Ham player, now presenter, commentator and award-winning content creator Samantha Miller. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you. Delighted to be here. It's been quite a year for you and you're doing Barclays presenting now for the for the women's game, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's been a strange year with COVID, but there's also been some positives for me personally. I was really happy to get the Barclays role and just help women's football gain momentum in the right direction now. And alongside Sam and myself, we've another guest who you're all familiar with. It's a big welcome back to the pod to the BBC women's sports reporter, Joe Curry. Hello, Joe. Season's greetings to you all. Hello. Yay. Season's greetings, everyone. We'll try and spread the Merry Christmas cheer as much as we can in this 2020 pandemic year. It has been reported, this could be great news, and I know that you're in a position at the moment, Joe, where you can't confirm or deny this at the moment, but it has been reported in The Telegraph by Tom Gary that uh, the BBC are going to show live WSL games on BBC One and Two next season in a shared deal with Sky. We're hoping this is going to get confirmed and it's true because it would just see the WSL reach explode, wouldn't it? Much bigger audience. This is something that women's football fans have been asking for for such a long time and that is to get women's football, domestic football on mainstream TV. And it's a a big kind of kick up the bum to all those trolls on social media that say, oh, no one wants to watch women's football. Well, I'm telling you what, if it ends up on, you know, BBC One or BBC Two, that says otherwise be brilliant and my my next campaign is to try and get the time for the women's football show um earlier in the evening or a different time slot because I think just sometimes after match of the day it's very hard for my little eyes to stay open so we'll crack on in just a moment worth me saying that I'm at West Ham United at the moment recording the podcast um up and down the country doing lots of football so do excuse me if you've got any noises in the background or if I sound a little bit more echoey than usual that is why um we will get on with the show then we start with the team who are top of the pops you're listening to the offside rule WSL edition from Muddy Dean's Media and The Athletic Manchester United looking to get the ball back once more in the second half. They do so. Heath with a great shot on the left foot. What a finish that is. She's been named in the FIFA World Eleven this week. First time curling effort straight over the goalkeeper. What a goal from Tobin Heath. 
Manchester United then ensured they will be top of the league at Christmas after thrashing bottom side Bristol City 6-1. Tobin Heath and Leah Galton both scored twice, while Millie Turner and Jess Sigsworth also got on the score sheet. United are now unbeaten in 14 games, whilst Bristol City, whose consolation goal came from Ebony Salmon, stay rooted to the bottom with a goal difference of minus 39. That's got to hurt. I think we'll start with you, Sam, because I know that you love Tobin Heath. You're a big, big admirer of hers. And she showed up again in this match. I really am. For me, Tobin Heath is world class. She's got that flair and she's now bringing that to the Barclays Women's Super League. I think she's a special type of player. I don't think there's many as skillful as her. She's so exciting to watch. I think she just seems to get better all the time. And I think her mentality, her love for the game is just showing and I think will will help United massively. I I actually remember her coming to London for the grassroots soccer gala before she joined United and speaking to her and talking about how often she gets up in America to watch Premier League games at God knows what time in the morning. And she just absolutely loves the game lives and breathes it which is great to hear she was also named in the FIFA World 11 this week Joe, I just wonder what her introduction at Manchester United whether whether that's been responsible for the lift of the entire team because it looks like they're on a completely different level this season I mean on the field she's been exceptional she's been everything you wanted Tobin Heath to, to bring to Manchester United and to the WSL what I think even just signing the likes of her and Kristen Press has, has said to the rest of the squad is that we're, we're signing world class players we need to step up a level and I think it's, it's as much about confidence and what the other players around them have learned because Manchester United is still a relatively young squad in terms of how long they've been together but also the age of the players they, they don't have a lot of really senior players so I think to have the likes of those those two come in I think it's just had this wonderful effect on them but Tobin Heath has been outstanding since she arrived and you have to credit Casey Stoney for bringing both of them in there's a new belief it feels like a winning mentality that we've not seen at Manchester United prior to this I mean they haven't been going that long of course and Casey Stoney had a project from the beginning but it does feel like there's a grit and a determination to this team you know to hold on to top spot for Christmas I think it is a great example of that because I think so many people thought that they would probably drop a few points something would get in their heads because of the other big teams around them but it hasn't happened Sam. Well, they seem to have maintained this form. I mean, you look at the beginning of the season and you look at a side like Everton, where you thought they were the surprise package and they could have done it. Um, Unfortunately, I think after the FA Cup final, they've sort of lost that momentum. But United have just kept going. You can see the belief in the squad, the confidence. Looking at the US women's national team players they've brought in, they do bring that mentality. You know, they won World Cups for a reason. They are still developing in a, in a tactical way. And I think this league will help them. But I think United, the combination of experience and youth, you've got the likes of Ella Toon stepping up, Jess Sigsworth back, Kirsty Hansen. And I think they just look such an organised, disciplined team. And that's huge credit to Casey Stoney. 
Katie Wyatt last week on the podcast, Joe, she levelled one observation at Manchester United, which was they were winning by just a goal margin and that when they were playing teams below them or mid-table, often they were just winning 1-0, whereas teams like Chelsea, Manchester City, Arsenal were absolutely thumping sides. And then they come out and produce this performance against Bristol City, 6-1. It's as if they were listening to Katie's words and then reacted They've got belief. And I'm about to do something that actually pains me, and that's eat my words a little bit. And that's because I came on this pod towards the start of the season. We went through the runners and riders of who would be up there come the end of the season fighting for the title. And I said, United will have another great season, probably be about fourth or fifth. But when it comes down to it, they won't be in there, you know, looking to to lift the trophy at the end of the season. And I think I'm already wrong Mm. with that. I don't think you were the only one, Joe. (laughs) No, but, you know, I I think I put it down to their mentality and that's still quite a young squad. They'll, They'll get good results but they probably don't know how quite to to cross the finishing line Mm. but that performance at the weekend showed me something completely different and I think it all comes down to belief yes technically they've got better they've always been well organized they've always had good attacking players but I think and again it might come down to the the likes of you know Heath and Press coming in that they're realizing that they don't have to just be contenders this title is very much within their own grasp Mm. and you know with with someone like Casey Stoney at the helm I think I think they can do it I'm not saying they will do it I'm saying that there's no reason why they can't. And considering they didn't get promoted that long ago, what an achievement that would be. Because when Casey came in, she didn't go, she didn't have the biggest budget, despite what people thought. But she brought sensible players in, young players that she can develop and look at what she's done with them. I have to say it is the mentality that's impressed me the most from the team this year. On the other side, though, you switch to Bristol City and they're, they're staring at that goal difference of minus 39. And Sam, you've played as a player. What are you thinking when you look at the table and you see that minus figure? It's really hard to take. And actually playing for London Bees at the time in WSL 2 before it became the championship we were losing games all the time and it's so tough to take and you have to be very mentally resilient. And what you're thinking about is, right, don't concede too many today rather than focusing on, can we win this game? And it's really hard and you just have to hope that it doesn't affect Bristol's confidence too much. They've got a fantastic manager in Tanya Oxterby, but you have to say they, they don't have the budgets and the resources that the other teams around them have. I mean, look, they're, they're not down yet. And in terms of, yes, their goal difference is awful. But in terms of points, you know, Villa aren't exactly that far in front. There are other teams that can still get, you know, drawn back into a relegation battle. So I don't think it's a done deal yet. But yes, you know, you're going to put your money on Bristol at the current time to say they're the ones most likely to come down. We know it's not an even playing field in the WSL. You cannot compare the budget of Chelsea players budget compared to you know the Chelsea the um, budget of, of Bristol City they've got some good young players and even on on the weekend when they were getting hammered by Manchester United you know Ebony Salmon did not stop all day and she got that consolation goal are they more suited to the championship potentially um you know would a season down there you know bring back their confidence potentially but then if they get back into the women's super league in you know, a year or two's time is the budget problem going to disappear probably not Okay, well, from the team leading the WSL to another riding high. This Christmas slash Hanukkah slash Winterval slash holiday season, The Athletic wants you to bog off. Because when you buy one annual subscription, you'll get another one for free. And similarly, when you gift a year's subscription, you can get one for yourself at no extra cost. 
So wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. Arsenal are up to second, four points behind Manchester United after a comfortable 4-0 win at home to Everton. The Gunners were 2-0 up inside 10 minutes thanks to goals from Jordan Nobbs and Caitlin Ford. The perfect response to last week's dramatic defeat against Manchester City. Jem Beattie, who we were all wanting to get on the score sheet, she nodded in at the back post to make it 3-0 in the second half, her first goal since revealing her breast cancer diagnosis last week. Beth Mead completed the scoring for Arsenal, who recorded their 10th successive win over Everton, the best winning streak against a single opponent in WSL history. Everton, whose season started so brightly, they've taken just two points from their last five games and stay in fifth place. Uh, so I think bounce back ability, that's the word I'm going to introduce here for Arsenal. Uh, would you agree? Who needs Vivian Miedemar, hey? Um, you know, we're all a little surprised to see her rested from the starting lineup. Um, but even without her starting, I thought Arsenal were excellent from, from start to finish. George Jordan Nobbs, you know, that's her first league start since October, was outstanding. Beth Mead looked terrific. Everton, though, I'm sorry, that first 10 minutes wasn't good enough. And they know that. And that's what they said afterwards. And but that first 10 minutes cost them. Those two opening goals were effectively tap-ins. The defensively, they, they just weren't at the races. But Everton have kind of not lost the plot since the FA Cup final. They've just lost their rhythm a little bit. Mm. Um, and I think this Christmas break will actually, they'll be one of the teams that can regroup, come back in January and get back to the form we saw them in previously because the, the defensive balance isn't quite right at the moment and we know they can they can do better. But just like to say, Jordan Nobbs, fantastic performance from her. And it's so good to see her getting back to where we know she can be. Absolutely. I think Everton, it's interesting because you look at comments on social media and the women's football football fraternity and, and how they react at the moment to Everton's results. And a lot of them say that they're really missing Valerie Govan. But as you highlighted there, Joe, a lot of the problems in this match came in defence. And Sam, I wonder whether it's more far reaching this issue. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange one because Everton were performing so well. They were high flying. Everyone had so much belief in them that they could really possibly even challenge for the title this season looking at the run they had going but now it looks like they've lost a bit of confidence they had a really good home record and then they started to drop points at home I watched the game against Reading I was at that match and it just seemed they were just running out of ideas sometimes they have all the pace going forward and they were really attacking at Reading and Reading just managed to stay disciplined stay organized at the back and find a way to stop them scoring and could just gradually see the frustration building I do think Govan is a huge miss for them but I, I think Everton will get back on track I think they just need to find their rhythm again well uh, it was a lovely moment wasn't it for Jen Beattie in the Arsenal team getting that goal um, she is someone I think who always threatens from a set piece she's got a great header on her and I, I was quite surprised it's her first goal actually this season and um, what did you make of her performance given the circumstances I don't think Jen Beattie would, would disagree with me when I say she'll never score an easier goal. And that's not nothing against her. But again, the, the Everton defence around her, there was no one to be seen. And you cannot have Jen Beattie in a box unmarked at a corner because we know what she can do with headers. She's powerful. She's strong. And that was always going to go in. But look, I could sit here all day and talk about how incredible I think Jen Beattie is as a player, but also as a person to 
have this diagnosis that she's had to start treatment, to carry on playing, playing at the top level and scoring goals. It just sums up the kind of person that she is all at the same time, going public, raising awareness so that it might help someone else in the same position or or get someone else to go and check themselves so that that they also, you know, if there's something to be found, it's found. I just think um, she's an incredible, (laughs) an incredible athlete and an incredible person. It has been said on this podcast that Arsenal were potentially going through a wobble um, but the one thing that they do show, and, and this result absolutely clarifies it, is that they've got goal scorers all over the pitch. I think Joe Montemuro has been disappointed in recent performances, Sam, but I think this one, especially without Miedemar in the side, will, will have really pleased him. Definitely. I think Joe Montemuro's not someone to hide how he feels and sometimes he's felt like it hasn't been good enough and I think he would have been delighted to see the different goal scorers. I have to say that pass from Jordan Nobbs to Beth Mead was absolutely sublime. It was just an all-round performance from Jordan Nobbs. I was lucky enough to play with her at university and she just brings so much to this side, not just her footballing ability, but also her leadership. She always is giving instructions to other players, trying to get on the ball. She gives absolutely everything for the club. And for me, she's instrumental to that team. And it was huge having her back. But also, I think Caitlin Ford has been excellent this season. They've got a lot of unselfish players who will create spaces for others by drifting out wide. And I think Arsenal are a team that just gel. They've just needed to show they can pick up points from, from the big sides like Manchester City and Chelsea. Uh, let's move on to the last match of the weekend. Yes, really, this was the last one. And some welcome relief for Reading. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Two goals from Jess Fishlock helped Reading to their first WSL victory in seven games as they beat Brighton away 3-1. Fishlock opened the scoring after 17 minutes. She pounced on a stray pass across the pitch from Brighton left-back Felicity Gibbons. Uh, Deanna Cooper's rash challenge on Ellie Brazil allowed Inessa Kagman to level from the penalty spot for the home side. But Fishlock drove in her second after 44 minutes, scoring from a deflected cross. Rachel Rowe ended Brighton's hopes of a point with an injury-time goal. An outstanding performance from Jess Fishlock in this match. And she really has shown what she can bring to this Reading team, hasn't she? Oh, she was a shining light in this match, uh, no doubt. Look, it was a very, I don't mean this in a rude way, a very Reading performance. And it, look, it wasn't the prettiest, but they definitely deserved this. In terms of, of Fishlock, what you get from her is she's not a player that normally scores a lot of goals, actually. So for her to get a couple and an assist, it, it, I'm, I'm really pleased to see her getting on the score sheet. But she brings experience with her. She brings fire, passion. She knows exactly what it takes to win. She, she's got that from her time in America. Her work rate always has and was excellent. And she, you know, if, if Reading could keep her long term, I think would make a, a huge difference, although I, I don't think that's likely. Leanne Sanderson put her in her team of the week. Would you have done the same, Sam? Definitely. I think Jess Fishlock's been a huge asset to Reading. I think she was the type of player they needed and she slots in so well. She's got her Welsh teammates around her, the likes of 
Rachel Rowe and Tash Harding. And I think she looks like she's really enjoying her football there. You can see that Reading have been a bit frustrated recently with their results. They had a draw against Everton, a draw against Tottenham, and then a narrow loss against Manchester United. And I know that they were really, really pleased to to finally get that win against Brighton. And it will be a bit of welcome relief, I think, after some of the recent results, Sam. On the flip side of that, though, Brighton, three defeats in a row. They've had this reputation under Hope Powell of being really difficult to break down. And I didn't see that in this match. Yeah, I think that Brighton have been really inconsistent. It's You don't quite know which Brighton you're going to see on the day. I was actually at their their match against Chelsea and they put out a really strong performance. I think tactically they'd got it spot on in the first half. I mean, Chelsea always find a way to score, but they, they made it difficult for Chelsea. Chelsea kept trying to figure out a solution to break them down. And they seem to do that against the top teams. We've seen them get a point from Manchester City and then sometimes you you don't see the full potential that that Brighton have and for me I've always found they don't quite have an an out and out goal scorer to get them goals when they need it they had Rihanna Jarrett on the bench and for me she's a player that can score goals she scored against West Ham fantastic goal and I just think that maybe Hope Powell didn't quite get it right against Reading. Mm. Well, we've waxed lyrical about Jess Fishlock at Reading and it seems apt that we've got her on the show this week. I spoke to her earlier. Jess, thank you very much for joining us and fresh from a brilliant performance at the weekend. You must have been delighted with those two goals. Uh, Yeah, I was more happy with the win, to be honest. I think it's been kind of a long time coming for us as a group, but always happy to get on the score sheet. (laughs) How have you been enjoying life in WSL? Yeah, I've I've, been, I've enjoyed it. It's nice to kind of be back home for a for a long period of time, and it's nice being at Reading with a lot of the Welsh girls. It's really quite fun for me. I haven't really had that before, and I'm I'm enjoying playing and, and the league, and you know, I'm just kind of thankful really to be here and, and be able to play football. All of us who love watching the WSL week in, week out, we're wondering what the comparison's like to the United States. So in terms of the NWSL compared to WSL, what can you tell us? You know, for me, I'll always say that the NWSL is faster, has more intensity on and off the ball, really. Um, but I think that's just because they're just really different kind of styles of play in, in Europe. It is kind of a little bit slower and the opposition don't mind you kind of having the ball whereas in kind of America South America specifically you know they don't really have that kind of patience it's more entertaining they just want to score they don't like the opposition having the ball if the opposition have the ball they think it's you know kind of (laughs) offensive so um it's just a different totally different mindset you know for me that's really kind of interesting here that it is a lot slower, so you have to slow your game down. Even if you want to speed it up, it's really hard to do that when everybody else is kind of just happy to chill a little bit and let them have the ball. It's what I really enjoy about Reading, actually, because we try and high press. You know, I think we're quite successful of it, but I really enjoy that because I enjoy kind of high pressing and having that high intensity, and it's what I'm kind of used to. But for me, that's the main main difference um, and I think you'll see that with all kind of the girls that are here. I think you see specifically that they're just a lot 
have a lot more intensity about their play than perhaps people who've played here for a long time. Do you see them becoming very similar at some point? Because obviously there's been an influx of US players coming over to, to the WSL. We've had a lot of Australians as well. So with, with those foreign imports becoming greater, do you think it's it's going to be parity at some point? Yeah, I do. And I think that works both ways as well. You know, I think if, when there'll be more and more kind of European exports to the NWSL as well, there's there's that balance. I always say that, you know, I find it really funny how we always kind of portray the leagues based on their national teams. You know, we, we kind of say that the NWSL is how the US national team play or how the WSL is the English national team. And, you know, it couldn't be further from the truth. There's so many foreign players from everywhere in these leagues. And ultimately, each team is coached by a manager that has a different philosophy. So I always find it funny that that's kind of how it sticks. But actually, you know, whatever manager you have just depends on how they want to play football at the end of the day. The big news this week has been Alex Morgan returning to the States. So she's she's not going to extend her contract with Spurs. I don't think many people expected her to do that. Of course, she, she wanted to be able to get fitter during that period. And I think it's done a lot for Spurs brand in the States. Is, is that how you see that deal went down? Yeah, I think it went exactly how it was supposed to go for both parties. I think it was such a really, really smart decision on Alex's part to kind of come here and, and get a fitness back. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if she was hoping she'd have a couple more games before the kind of winter break came in. But, you know, that's just kind of the way that it that it went. But what I will say about Alex is, I know personally she's done a lot for the girls off the field as well, you know, and that's the beauty of having these type of players over in this league. You know, their levels and their standards that they have that they expect are just far higher. And I think that that influence that they'll have kind of off the field, making sure the girls now have changed training fields, now they're training the men's training fields, you know, that will have a huge everlasting impact on Tottenham as a club, you know, more so than probably her getting her fitness back. And so I think, you know, what she's done for that club is huge. You know, from that perspective, what she gets out of that is a chance to get her fitness back after having a baby. And she'll be thankful for that as well. So I think it was a perfect fit. And and those are big standards, aren't they, that surely the the US team would be used to on a national scale. And you do wonder if if there's a big gulf still in, in how women's football is treated here, because of course it's a number one sport in the States, you know, men's football doesn't rival it in any way, shape or form because they haven't won as much. Whereas here you must be aware that it, it completely goes on its head. Yeah, absolutely. There's still a massive, massive, massive gap here, massive gulf. You know, you kind of get a lot of things swept under the carpet really because you want to say you're associated with a men's club, but actually you don't really get, hardly anything that you should be getting but that will eventually have to change and at some point I'm sure that it will I'm sure you'll get people coming out and saying this this is actually what happens and this is unacceptable I guess women's football is just waiting for that to happen in truth it's waiting for you know like I said Alex came over here and made sure that the women's have changed their training fields because where they were training was unacceptable and now they're the men's training grounds it takes those type of people to create change. We know that. Um, and at some point over here, I'm sure that, that that will happen. Right now, I feel like we're still in that kind of kind of little pot of, oh, but we're just really thankful and we're just really grateful right now that we, that we have this 
because that's kind of how it's portrayed, right? Or you, you should be grateful right now. Well, no, that's not the truth at all. We shouldn't be grateful at all for the basic standards that should be met. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I do think eventually, to be honest with you, that that will have to change and people will have to start just speaking the truth and creating that change. Reading are one of the teams that you're seeing you play at the Medeski a lot more. Yeah. Do you think there is progress within within your team setup? Yeah, I, I've always said that I was really kind of pleasantly surprised with the Reading setup. Great training ground right now that we're at Hogwarts. Oh, Hogwarts, I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you said that. That was a brilliant yeah. slip. Now we know what you all call it. Yeah. Um, Hogwood, sorry, that's what it's called. Um, and it's, you know, they've been able to do a lot with the COVID rules and, and make sure that we still get what we need. And obviously playing at the Majeski, which is just a beautiful surface and a beautiful stadium. So I actually have a lot of respect for, for Reading as a club because they're not kind of lying about what they can provide the women or like the women's budget they're well aware that that you know if they really want to bridge gaps they have to start investing more from a salary and everything kind of level but they are very honest with look this is what we've got but we're going to make sure that you have great training facilities you have a great football field you have kind of everything that we can give you outside of the budget if that makes sense and you know I have a lot of respect for that. Being so realistic about it, which is exactly the approach that you want, isn't it, as a person? But yeah. in terms of ambitions, is it is it too much to try and catch these top three or four sides at the moment for a team like Reading? Oh, I think, in truth, it's like yes and a no. <laughs> like, I think if we look at the table right now, we slipped up against against Bristol. We should have won that one. And Birmingham as well. We'd be off a City, I think, by two points right now if we'd have won the games that we know that we can win. And so that's realistic to, I think, where we should be right now. We kind of slipped up in two games. So that tells me that Reading are not that far away at all. But if I was being really, really kind of honest with we can absolutely break that, I'd say Reading probably need another transfer window to, to add in two more players, two, three more top quality players. And then, yeah, I have no doubt that they could bridge that gap. Absolutely. It's just, can they do that in January or do they have to wait until the summer? What does the budget look like from that perspective? You know, we played United the other day and I thought we were by far the better team. But that's kind of been our our season has been, our performances have probably deserved a lot more. I can't let you go, Jess, without speaking about Wales as well. I mean, you're the first man or woman to reach 100 match appearances for your national team. Mm-hmm. I think people potentially forget that. Um, and you've you've recently announced that you you contemplated international retirement, but you're not going to go go down that route yet. You've decided to carry yeah. on, despite the likelihood of Wales missing out on the Euros. Was that a big decision? Um, in truth, not not for me right now. I think. My injury has kind of been a little bit of a blessing, if I'm going to be honest with you. Before I did my my knee, I kind of, I think I was really tired mentally of, of just playing for so long and, and kind of was at that point of, okay, I think, I think I'm, I'm ready to retire now. And I think a lot of people always say that when you know, you kind of know. But then I, I did my knee and I've had, you know, a good chunk of time off 
and now I'm playing and honestly I, I feel like I'm like 21 again I don't even feel like I'm anywhere near ready to retire and so you know it's kind of it's really nice for me to to feel that way after knowing how I felt before kind of just showed that maybe I just needed a little bit of time off and a little bit of refresh and that's exactly what I got so no it wasn't a difficult decision for me and I think everybody like my family and my close friends are like really happy for me which is which is really nice. Another thing that I, I spotted recently was this Sport Champion Award that you got with Stonewall. And uh, you are down as Wales' most influential LGBTQ plus figure. Our listeners can't see the expression on your face right now, but I can see that that means the world to you. Yeah, it does. In truth, things like that for me actually mean mean more to me than like goals or kind of wins and things like that, which I know is, is kind of a, a weird thing to say. But I really do have a lot of time and and energy for helping the LGBT community and 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 most importantly youth. You know, I, I know what it was like going through really kind of difficult times with my sexuality. And for me, you know, if I can help one person just feel better about themselves then that for me is is far more important than anything it's fantastic what you've been doing we don't want to take all day even though we could talk to you all day jess but have a lovely christmas and we wish you all the best with ready thank you very much thank you this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Reading's Jess Fishlock there. Great to hear from her just before the end of this 2020 year for the WSL edition. Um, On to postpone matches next because that's all the action we had on the pitch from the weekend. Birmingham's match against Manchester City was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch and a further two matches were called off due to COVID. Uh, West Ham's home game against Aston Villa will have to be rescheduled after a small number of positive COVID-19 cases at the club's training ground. The Hammers have closed the Chadwell Heath training site as a precaution. Meanwhile, the London derby between Chelsea and Spurs was also postponed because of coronavirus cases in the reigning champions squad. Those affected are self-isolating and the rest of the squad will resume training in the new year. Is this a really bad sign, both of you? Because the COVID cases, we obviously know there's a lot of testing that happens in the top flight of the men's game in the Premier League for players, but there just simply isn't that money available in the women's game. And can we see this starting to become more regular? I just think that at the moment, safety has to come first and rules are in place and they have to to stick to those rules. Of course, the match of the weekend is a massive shame. You know, Spurs fans didn't get to see Alex Morgan one more time before she heads back to the States. And I think most more importantly, in terms of uh, Manchester City and Chelsea, obviously, these are the two teams that are competing in um, the Champions League and that's the second time Chelsea have had a match postponed so that's two games they've got to catch up and after Christmas it's the games are going to come thick and fast in terms of you know you've got Conti Cup uh, quarterfinals FA Cup the league and Champions League I do wonder if those two extra games will come back to trip up Chelsea at some point the the, the match that was called off with the waterlogged pitch, that was the one that really annoyed me. I'm sorry, in this day and age, we should not be seeing top flight women's football matches called off because of pitches waterlogged. If you, yeah, if you see the pictures of that, there were a few, a few pictures doing the rounds of the pitch. It was awful. It, it feels like there needs to be 
protocol in place to prevent that situation happening. There should not be a waterlogged pitch. I mean, we haven't had that much rain. We've had some, but we've certainly had wetter winters, haven't we? Um, yeah, the COVID cases, I suppose, is, is something that we'll just have to monitor going forward. We could see more postponements, more cancellations because of that, especially with this new strain of virus. Sam, you were meant to be commentating on the Spurs match, which would have been Alex Morgan's swan song. She only had this short-term deal and it has been confirmed she's going to go back to America. Do you think that's a shame she didn't get the, the send-off? I have to say, I was really looking forward to that match. I would have personally really liked to see more of her in the Women's Super League. And I know a lot of fans would have loved to see her play in, especially against Chelsea. That's when you can really test mm. yourself. And Spurs have just started to gain momentum. Um, they've had two wins. They had the win against Aston Villa, the win against Brighton. They seem to have got their act together, showing a lot more desire and passion out on the pitch. And Alex Morgan scored a couple of penalties and I think everyone was waiting for that goal from open play. Look, she's done wonders for the Spurs brand in the States and it's helped her no end with her fitness. I think she leaves here in probably the place that she wanted to get to in that time. But I mean, there's not been any any amazing effect from, from her signing other than those two things. Or am I being a bit harsh, Joe? I think this deal did exactly what it was meant to do for both Spurs and for Alex Morgan. You know, she had only given birth six months previously. I've never given birth, but I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark <laughs> and on, say take a six, six months post-birth um, to get back into, you know, full-time training and then start to play matches again was a huge achievement for her and she can go back to the States now pretty much match fit in time for the US national team camp in January so for her it's done exactly what it was meant to do in terms of Spurs it brought a lot of attention um, I think the only and I think also for the players the young players in that Spurs squad to be able to play alongside the likes of Alex Morgan what they would have taken from her mentality from what she would have produced in training I think is invaluable I think the only shame is that I'm sure Spurs shifted an awful lot of Alex Morgan's shirts mm. the only thing that hasn't quite happened is because of COVID they haven't had fans in and so they haven't been able to you know you sign a player like Alex Morgan and you expect a bumper crowd that weekend they haven't mm. managed to take advantage of that and I think that's the only shame that all those young fans in London couldn't turn up to a Spurs game maybe get a photograph or an autograph with her at the end of the game but for me I think it was a win-win she was never going to set the WSL alight simply because I don't think she was she was fit enough when she arrived to do so and also Spurs probably aren't the sort of team that can provide her with the sort of balls where she can show what she can do in front of goal but for me I think it's been a massive positive and hey if she enjoyed it that much she'll come back and what a treat that would be. We are missing Kate this week who is a mother of two she would have been a better person to talk to about the, the motherhood although our producer Chesie has said it's not a barrel of laughs. Um, <laughs> I'll take her so word for it. We can, we can confirm it's quite a tough thing to go through. So I hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of NWSL players came to WSL on short-term contracts. Do you think that we could see some more exodus, Sam, or are we going to have a few stay around for the, for a bit longer? Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the likes of Rachel Daly and Emily Van Egmond. I think West Ham started to improve on their performances. And actually, if you look at their play, most of the positives came through those two players. But I can possibly see them going back to America. We've seen Denise O'Sullivan go back to North Carolina Courage. And I think she had a big impact on Brighton when they did play well. And they'll be upset to lose a player like that, but they always knew it was coming. And then you've got the likes of Kristen Press and Tobin Heath. We know are staying for the season. 
And I actually think the NWSL players have all been standout performers, funnily enough, in this league. So if more want to come over, they're, they're more than welcome. I just think all, all the clubs that signed the NWSL players um, knew what they were getting in terms of some could stay longer than others. Some, you know, just wanted to come up until Christmas. It's always a dangerous game because these are, are top quality players. And if you start to build your team around them and then they leave, what are you left with? But there are certainly some teams that, you know, even if you had a player in for a few months, um, the likes of Rachel Daly, if she heads back in, in January, then she's brought an awful lot to, to West Ham. But look, I'm, a, I'm the sort of person that I want young English British players to be given chances but at the same time we're still trying to attract fans to to this game to this league and so if that means that some international players come in for a few months we saw it with Carly Lloyd a few years ago and it it gets more people interested more bums on seats more people watching on TV then I am all Mm. for it It is award season as we know and we'll move on to talk about an historic victory for an England player next and yes it's the one that you're thinking of the winner of the best FIFA Women's Player 2020 is Lucy Bronze. It always is Lucy Bronze, isn't it? Uh, the Manchester City defender has won Best Women's Player at FIFA's 2020 Awards. She's the first English player to win the Best FIFA Football Awards prize, beating Denmark's Penilla Harder and France's Wendy Renard to the award. Uh, did you expect that, both of you? I... I thought it'd be close this year. To me, there wasn't a, a standout uh, nominee. We can normally tell because of a, an incredible international year or a year where someone like Megan Rapino also takes a stand on, on the world stage. You, you can normally tell who might win it. What I loved was Lucy Bronze's face when her name was read out because I don't think she was expecting it. She looked completely shocked. But I'm running out of superlatives to, to use for Lucy Bronze. So I'm just going to say this. She is incredible. And what she has done for England and what I think she can do for England in the future. Yeah, look, I, pff, do you know what? I'm not even making any sense. She's just great. I mean, Lucy Bronze herself has spoke about the evolving type of right back that she is, where you get to attack more. It's a bit more glamorous now. You can put crosses into the box. You can get up and down the pitch. And I think it's the perfect position for her, her athleticism. I think she's got that winning mentality that I see her trying to implement in within the England squad. I think Lucy Bronze can get even better. And I think that's just exciting. And like Joe said, you can see it was almost as if it was a surprise to her, but I'm not quite sure why, because I think she's an excellent player and I think she can go on to do great things. And she's tested herself. She's gone to play in the French League for Lyon. She's won the Champions League. And for her to come back to England, I think, is massive. Also worth a mention that Bronze was in the team of the year um, alongside her England colleague, Millie Bright. And there were some other WSL players in there as well. Tobin Heath, who we've already mentioned on this podcast, Penilla Harder, Viv Miedemar, all the usual ones that grabbed the headlines. Joe, the other notable award as well was for, for Serena Weigman, um, the incoming England boss, because she was named the FIFA Best Women's Coach of 2020. So that's got to be a huge positive for England. Yeah, I mean, just in case needed any more proof that England are probably getting the the best manager in the world right now um there's an actual award that that says it I think in terms of her appointment the FA have gone for the right person um and I am so excited to see what she can do because ever since the World Cup England have stalled there's no denying that results performances just haven't been good enough after January it's all going to be about getting into Team GB which is obviously different to England but I think you know come September which when I believe uh, August September time is when she will arrive in 
take over. I think there's there's work to do, but I also think she's taking over an incredible squad. And, you know, Phil Neville's job between now and when she does come in is to get those young players, you know, identify young players coming through and start, I guess, a, a bit of a rebuild. If we were on Strictly, I'd be saying to you both now, get your paddles ready and your frocks on. Uh, as it is award season, we're going to do our very own Offside Rule Awards. So Sam and Joe, you get the lucky role of judges, or in this case, judge and jury. Um, and like every good awards ceremony at the moment, we're very much socially distanced. <laughs> I can definitely clarify that being at West Ham in the middle of nowhere. You'll hear sirens going off in the background occasionally. So uh, team of the year, we'll start with who gets both of your awards? I've gone with Manchester United, Joe. I'm not sure if you've gone with them as well. But I think you can't really look past them. Being top of the league, putting in some of the performances they've, they have done so far this season, they've been tactically spot on in games. I think they've been able to turn things around. Just looking at the match against Manchester City where they came back strong. I'm going with Manchester United. I really hope we don't agree on this all the way through. Otherwise, it's going to be quite a boring listen. But yeah, it, it is very hard to look past Manchester United. They are a different animal this year to, to what we've seen previously. And um, as I said, you know, a few months ago, I didn't back them for the title. That was my bad. And they may not win it, but I think they will be there or thereabouts. We've had Sports Personality of the Year this week as well. So imagine you've got your envelope at the ready, Sam. Um, who are you pulling out for Coach of the Year? This was actually really tough. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, I probably would have said Willie Kirk. But I think if I'm looking at consistency up until now, again, you could say Casey Stoney taking Manchester United to the top. But actually, I have gone for Emma Hayes because I can't look past her. I think for me, she is one of the best managers in women's football, tactically, the way she develops players, the the type of players she attracts to the club. I mean, you just look at young talent like Neve Charles, Jesse Flemings, who a lot of clubs would have been after. And you can see that they, they go to Chelsea because they want to develop under Emma Hayes. And she's just attracting some of the best players in the world. So I'm going for Emma Hayes. I'm going to go slightly left field here and say Carla Ward. Yes, Birmingham are not going to to win the league. Um, but what she managed to do is come in. She had to pretty much build a squad almost from scratch. And right from the, I mean, look, I had them down as strugglers this year, and they are they are not struggling. Nor do I expect them to be at the bottom come the end of the season. But what she's managed to do is right from the beginning show a team that had that had morale, that had grit, that were organised. They got to an FA Cup semi final, which I don't think many would have put money on at the start of the season. Yes, they've had a couple of matches postponed, but let's say those two matches had gone ahead this season and, and they'd won them I think they'd be in fifth which is bo- above Everton right now and when you look at the the calibre of players in in other squads and this is nothing against the calibre of player in, in the Birmingham squad but they don't have these huge international stars coming in I think what Carla has managed to do there she has already surpassed expectations. Just a name for this next award because uh, we'll just play it back to you and, and remind you in 2022 if it comes true uh, rising star one to watch see 
I see this as two different things. So I'm going to be naughty and say two different people. In terms of rising star, I'm going to go for Hannah Hampton, the Birmingham goalkeeper. Yes, she's already starting week in, week out, but she's only 20 years old. And she has been one of the reasons that Birmingham have done so well. She's starting to get into England squads, you know, and I suspect her to do that much more in, in the coming years. So keep an eye on Hannah Hampton. Yes, people probably have already heard of her, but I think she's really going to start to come into her own uh, in the next year or two. I also saw... Rising star is, is two different things because if you're looking at a player that I think is going to rise in this league and get better, it would be someone like Caitlin Ford, who's been just outstanding for Arsenal. But in terms of a younger player rising in this league, I'm going to say Jess Park. I think Gareth Taylor sees something in her. And when I've watched her, I've seen glimpses of brilliance, and I'm quite excited to see what young talent can do at a Manchester City side. So I want to see more of her and I'm excited for her future. So I'm going with Jess Park. I know you said you only wanted one name, but in terms of one to watch, I just want to mention some we've not even seen in the league yet. And that's Mana Iwabushi, the uh, Japan captain that, that signed for Aston Villa this week. She's a 2011 World Cup winner. Yes, all the US stars get all the plaudits, but she won the World Cup in 2011. She's got over 300,000 followers on Twitter. That gives you an idea of just how big a star she is back home. And if Villa can can give her the right kind of service, she's going to be such an important player for them second half of the season. And I can't wait to see her come over here and do what she can do. The offside rule joined forces with The Guardian again for the top 100. Coming out on top at number one for 2020 was Penilla Harder. Is that your player of the year, either of you, or have you got somebody different? I've gone for someone different and I'm basing it solely on performances I've seen uh, in the league this year. And that is Sam Mewis. The character that she's shown, she's got such a strength to her game. She She's powerful um, and she also just seems so calm on the pitch. She's produced goals, she's produced assists. And, you know, Manchester City, we know, have been a little inconsistent this season in all competitions, but she has been consistently brilliant. I will just give a second and third awards to Jen Beattie, just because <laughs> yeah. she's incredible. And for Fran Kirby, because she has missed part of the season, you know, through through injury. And we know she's, what a torrid time she's had over the years with injury and illness. But uh, I think Emma Hayes summed up best. She's not just, um, you know, getting back to her best. She's giving the best performances of her life and had she started the season then she might be getting this award <laughs> this wasn't bronze silver gold joe but okay we'll let you <laughs> off some some nice mentions there uh, final word goes to sam in our own awards i am going with vivian miedemar purely because she's broken so many records now and i think she deserves the plaudits for that Watching her play, she's not just a goal scorer. She creates space for her teammates. She drops back to help out, collects the ball from deeper areas on the pitch. Very unselfish at times, can trick defenders with a simple dummy. Literally, if you look at a lot of her goals, she'll do a dummy, go the other side and just slot the ball into the back of the net and just makes it look so easy. And I think she's just becoming a prolific goal scorer and... I think she's going to continue to be breaking records. Well done, both of you. No embarrassing answers, unlike FIFA, who put Megan Rapino in their team of the year, despite hardly playing. Um, on, on to a bit more other news, a couple of bits and pieces to wrap up from last week. Chelsea and Manchester City are into the last 16 of the Champions League. Uh, you can check out Lauren Hemp's stunner for City online, by the way, if you can see a video clip of that goal, well worth watching again. Um, I mentioned Chelsea, they've signed Swedish goalkeeper, let's see, uh, Zasira Musovic, is that how I'm saying? it both you're the experts in this field too 
I'll take your lead on that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, she'll join the Blues on the 1st of January from Swedish side FC Rosengard and has agreed a deal until the summer of 2022. Uh, Musovic will provide competition for Carly Telford and Anne-Catherine Berger. Is that bad news for them both? I just think Emma Hayes is the kind of manager that um, has always, particularly with goalkeepers, actually provided an awful lot of good competition amongst them all. We saw that with with Lindahl, uh, Hedrick Lindahl, who was here pre- uh, at Chelsea previously as well. The, the Chelsea squad is always evolving. She's always looking at who should be next in and, and the next big player. So if she can bring in a player of calibre, then she's always going to do that. Talking of other signings, Ada Hedderberg, she signed a new long-term contract at Lyon until 2024. After a slightly tortuous as well group stage, we now know the quarterfinal lineup for the League Cup. Bristol City face Villa, West Ham host Championship side Durham, Man City face Chelsea in the tie of the round and Crystal Palace face Leicester. So there will be a Championship side in the semi-finals. Uh, most people on Saturday were waiting as well for Boris Johnson to speak. Sam was waiting for the draw, weren't you, Sam? <laughs> I was. Do you know what? Whenever I cover Conti Cup games, I'm so eager to know the next fixture, the draw, and I couldn't help but switch it on straight away. Boris had to wait a bit. I did listen to Boris after, but Conti Cup was, was a priority. Oh, you actually prioritise more than I did. I, I just couldn't believe I was seeing these flashes of tier four and I was like, I've got to listen to Boris for this one. Um, so the ties will be played week commencing the 10th of January. The finals due to be played on the 14th of March. A venue to be confirmed in the new year, Joe. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how, how long they wait, what they should do. I know it depends on which venues are available, but wait and see which sides are in the semi-finals at the very least. And then mm. try and pick a venue that, depending on who makes the final, will actually mean fans can get to that ground easily. I mean, let's hope with, with COVID that that's actually an option. It might not be. But so often we see the, the, the Conti Cup final being played at a different end of the country to where teams are from. And it doesn't pay off in terms of a crowd. So that's all I'm hoping for. Do you think the winner is going to come from that standout tie, Man City or Chelsea, whoever gets through that? Yes. Okay. In one word. That was one word. That was quick. (laughs) Finally, I've understood the one word question. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's just about all we've got time for for today. Thank you to Sam and Joe and everyone who's appeared on the podcast this year. We're so grateful. We wish you a Merry Christmas. That is it. It wraps things up for 2020. Um, To all of you who've listened, downloaded, reviewed the podcast, please stay safe and enjoy the Christmas period. We will be back on Tuesday, the 12th of January, when the WSL returns. We'll speak again in the new year. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Muddy Knees Media production. Muddy Knees Media